Everyone, I hope you're I hope you're doing well. And whether you're whether you're watching this sermon in person or online, uh, you're seeing me uh, by video. And the reason for that is I'm still in quarantine, and so we figured out a safe way for me to to preach this message. Um, Karen's here with me, and and so, but other than that, we're socially distanced. And so, so it's so good to see you this weekend. I hope you're doing well. There is one thing that I I'm dying to show you. I really wanted to show you this in person. Because uh, I wanted to hear your reaction, because I know it's going to be overwhelmingly supportive. Uh, but I wanted to show you this is a pair of boots. These are my new preaching boots that a, a, a pastor friend of mine got me uh, from Texas. And so the camera's going to pick this up, but you got to see the top. So the top of these boots, you probably already figured it out, is the the, the flag, the state flag of Texas with the with the state seal. So I know you guys are like celebrating right now, clapping. You're probably excited. And if it's offended you, then, then this is perfect timing for this sermon. Because the title of this message is, is unoffendable. In other words, trying to live, live a life to where you get to that place in life to you understand forgiveness. And you get to that place in life where it seems like nothing offends you. See, that was Paul's life. It took Paul years to get to this place. We've been looking at, at the book of 2 Corinthians, and many of us know the backstory to that. The culture was like divided. It was divisive. The church became divisive. The church said some hurtful things to, to Paul. And it seems like when you look at the writings of this, it seems like that Paul is just absolutely unoffended. I mean, he, he's living a life of un, to where he's unoffendable, to where he still has joy, he still has peace. It doesn't affect him. See, in your life and in my life, we cannot control how someone offends us. But we can control what we do with that offense. And when we pick up an offense, it affects our life. And the gateway, I'm telling you, the gateway to a life of unforgiveness is this issue of offense. And so I want to walk through this, these scriptures with you. I want to talk to you about this issue of forgiveness. I want to talk to you about this issue of coming to the place in your life and for me to come to the place in my life to where it seems like we just live an unoffended life. And so Paul is telling the church, see, here, here, here's what was going on in the church. Several years back, this man in the church did something wrong, and he didn't just offend one person. It seems like he offended the whole church. And as a result of that, this man, this man came to the place where he asked for forgiveness. He repented. He changed. He was no longer that person ever again. And, but the church, the church was still offended, and the church was unwilling to forgive him, even though he had changed. And so Paul begins to speak into the church, and he starts telling them, you guys need to learn to forgive. And so maybe when you're hearing this m message, maybe, maybe God would use this message in your life to help you understand the power of forgiveness. Maybe there's someone in your life that you haven't totally and completely forgiven. And as a result of that, it's causing you some hurt. It's causing uh, them some hurt. It's causing some pain in the relationship. And so Paul is coming to the place where he's trying to help this church understand just the principles of forgiveness. And so I, I, I pray that God uses this message in your life because this issue of, of living a life to where it seems like everything offends you, living a life of unforgiveness, I'm just telling you, it'll keep you from doing what God has called you to do, to keep you from living out the plan that God has, has given you. See, this issue of unforgiveness, this issue of, of being offended can affect every area of your life, every one of your relationships. When Listen, I'm telling you, when you pick up an offense, 
You carry that offense. You carry that unforgiveness into every situation, every relationship of your life. Now listen, I had to work through this actually on Monday. As many of you know, I was exposed to COVID. So on Monday, I had to go to the state fair to get my COVID test. And so I got there a little bit early before the gates opened and there was already a long line. I I had to wait down uh, Mesa and I was at like five blocks back. That means five intersections I had to go through. And so I was five blocks back. I took my backpack, so I had my laptop. I had some of my books. And I actually did life journaling, you know, as I'm what? Because I'm going to make the best opportunity of my time, as Paul would say. And so I'm, I life journaled, and so I prayed. And the line starts to move. And so I'm moving down, and I'm going through intersection after intersection. I'm, I'm working through this sermon, you know, unoffended. So I'm working through this sermon. And so... I came to the last intersection before the state fair, and so um, there was another line of cars that were feeding into the main line, the line that I was in, and we had the right-of-way, I might add, and so this other line is feeding into to our line, and so, and so you know the rules. It's every other car in, right? Everybody gets that. Everybody knows that, and so um, everybody was doing that, and so I come up to the intersection, and, and all of a sudden, a white truck uh, uh, was there, and so I waved the white truck on because I wanted to do my part to let them in. And so the white truck guy goes in, and so as I started across the intersection, the car behind him, the red Mustang guy, all of a sudden he floors it and he cuts me off. I was immediately offended. I mean, I was, and, and I carried, listen, I'm telling you, I carried that offense like all the way through the line. I mean, he's right there in front of me. Red Mustang guy is right there in front of me. I still even remember his plates because I stared at him for so long. One, six, no, I, no I, I can't tell you the plate number. But it was Colorado plates. And so we're going through, and I am offended, and I'm looking at this sermon. And so I forgive him, and then something comes up, and we stop or whatever, and, and all of a sudden that offense comes back up. And, and I mean, I had to work through this. It, this, is, this is hard work, and we get into the state fair, and then all of a sudden the line splits. And so they had some people go to the left and some people go straight. And so all of a sudden they directed him to the left. And when he went to the left, I looked, like only two cars in his line. And I'm like, well, Lord, this isn't fair. I mean, because we all want justice, right? We all want to know that in the end, it works out best for us if someone offends us, if someone hurts us. They didn't direct me to the left. They directed me straight. And so I go straight, and I'm like, Lord, this is absolutely not fair. He's probably even, because he cut in front of me, he got to go to the shorter line. He's going to get out sooner than me. And it'd probably only be five minutes, but for me, it was a big deal. And so they had me go straight. I got my COVID test. And then it just so happens that I drove the, the, the cones, guided me around to where I had to come in front of his line again. <laughs> so what did you think I did? I looked over to see Red Mustang guy was. He was still in line. He was two cars back. I may have honked and waved. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I may have. And, and so that helped. That helped for like five minutes. And then I remembered, but he still cut me off. He still offended me. Man, when someone offends you and you take up that offense, you cannot control where you take that offense into where you take that offense into relationships. I mean, what do you think I did when I went home? And the first thing I did was tell Karen about the red Mustang guy. When I did a Zoom call with the pastors, guess what? I, I, I told them about the red Mustang guy. And something about this issue of offense. Listen, I'm telling you, offense, unforgiveness can keep you from joy. It can keep you from peace. It can keep you from living out what God has called you to live. Instead of me just working all the way through a sermon 
and successfully going through my email box and some other things, guess what I thought about? I thought about Red Mustang Guy. Unforgiveness can keep you from freedom. It can keep you from joy. It can keep you from the things that God has for you. Many of us need, listen, many of us may need to learn about this issue of, of offense, this issue of forgiveness. I mean, it seems like we are living in a season where everybody's offended about something. It doesn't even take much for someone to carry an offense, to carry a frustration. And people are known in this season, people are known by what they're offended by. I mean, it's just easy. It just, it just comes out. And so here's what the Scriptures tells us, that forgiveness is fundamental to the faith. Forgiveness is fundamental for Christ's followers. It's fundamental for, for living the life that God has called us to do. And there, there's something, listen, all great coaches know the importance of fundamentals, in, whether it's in football, whether it's in golf, whether it's in any sports, actually. One of my great stories is about the coach of the Green Bay Packers, uh, Hall of Fame coach Vince Lombardi. Uh, they had played a, a game in Minnesota against the Minnesota Vikings. It was cold. It was rainy. Uh, it was a horrible game. I mean, the Vikings destroyed the Packers, and, and so Vince Lombardi's mad. And so uh, when, the, when his players, after the game, go to the locker room, he told them, do not change out of your uniforms. Get right on the bus, and then when we get to Lambeau Field, I've already called. They're going to have the lights on. We'll get there about midnight. You meet me at the 50-yard line. So they got, the, got on the bus in their wet uniforms, made the trip back to Lambeau Field. They get to Lambeau Field. The players get off. They're at the 50-yard line. Lombardi makes them wait, and then he walks out in his hat and his, his famous trench coat, and he walks out in the middle of them, and all of a sudden he pulls something out of his trench coat, and he said, men, this is a football. We're going to learn the basics. We're going to go back to the fundamentals of football. When you look at this issue of fundamentals, fundamentals are not fun. Fun may be in the word of the fundamentals, but fundamentals, listen, fundamentals are nothing but, but work. I mean, fundamentals takes practice, and, and fundamentals take practice. You know why? Because fundamentals do not come natural to any one of us. And the reason that football teams and baseball teams and golf pros go through the fundamentals is why? Because they'll have, so that they'll have muscle memory, so it becomes natural to them. And Christians, listen, I'm telling you, as Christians, we need to practice, even though they're not glamorous, even though they're not fun, we need to practice the fundamentals of the faith, the fundamentals of forgiveness, so that all of a sudden we have muscle memory. It becomes easy for us to walk an unoffended life. It becomes easy for us to, to walk in forgiveness because fundamentals, listen, fundamentals are so important. Vince Lombardi realized that it doesn't matter what my players change. It doesn't matter the different plays we run. It doesn't matter the different schemes we run. If we don't change the fundamentals, we'll never change anything. See, I learned this when I started learning to play golf. I, I was really struggling with my golf game and, and still struggling with my golf game. And so I was struggling with my golf game. I took a lesson. And so the, I still remember when the, the, the instructor looked at me and said, well, you know what? There's some fundamentals of golf that you need to learn. Charlie, it doesn't matter what you change in your swing, in your stance, doesn't matter until you learn the fundamentals of a, of a golf grip. Your game's not going to change. Your golf grip has to become natural to you. I mean, actually, he told me that I want you to carry a golf club like in your office in different places so that you can just, you can just practice and you can just practice the fundamentals of a golf grip so that it just becomes natural to you. See, this is what Paul, Paul is pressing into this church. 
I think this message is so important for our time as well as for their time. And I think there's some things we can learn about this issue of forgiveness. And so let's walk through the scriptures together. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verses, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm sorry, verses 5 through 11. I'm going to read them and then we're going to give you three principles uh, about this. And so here's what Paul says. He says, now if anyone has caused pain, he, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure. Why? Because it's affected you. Not to put it severely to, to, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. In other words, you need to forgive. So you should rather turn to forgive, comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. You're about ready to do damage to him and damage to yourself. If you don't turn and forgive him and comfort him, reaffirm your love to him. Watch this. So I, I beg you. I'm pleading with you. I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. For this is why I wrote that I might test you and know whether you're obedient in everything. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. In other words, live your life like Christ is watching. Live your life like Christ is sitting in the truck with you, going through the state fair line with red Mustang guy in front of you. So that we would not be outwitted, this huge statement, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his design. So I want to give you three things as, um, for you to, to process through. The first one is this, when you start looking at this, of living an unoffended life. It starts with this issue of forgiveness and learning to forgive. The first thing is this, there is an offense. So I, I don't know if you've ever taught, thought about this. We're going to look at some scripture, and I'll, I'll prove it out in scripture. But unforgiveness always starts with an offense. Don't underestimate the power and offense in your life. Don't underestimate the power that you and I have, whether we take up an offense or we lay offense down, whether we take up an offense and we allow that offense to get into our heart. Verse 5, Paul says, Now if anyone has caused pain, he has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely to all of you. So the whole church, this is what he's saying, the whole church is offended. And guess what? This church has become the first church of the offended. They're offended about everything. People in the community know what they're offended about. Man, I'm so concerned about this season that we're in. It seems like that evangelicals, it seems like churches are known more by what they're offended of than what they're for. And offense is the door to unforgiveness. Man, how many of you, let me just ask you a question. How many of you have been offended by something someone has said or done this year? <laughs> Karen just raised her hand. That must have been me. <laughs> I, I should have known the context. And so, but we're gonna we're gonna move on. You can you cannot choose, you cannot choose how someone will offend you, but you cannot choose, you can choose how you're gonna deal with that, how you're gonna process through that. It was it was that moment, right? 
It was that moment that they posted something on social media. It was that moment they said something about a politician or maybe something a politician did. It was something about that mask. It was something about COVID. It was something about the, the election. It was something about a decision that the church had made. It was something about someone said about and now that Now it's just your reality. It was that moment that they said something, they did something, they cut you off, they cut in line. If that person walked into the room right now, it would change everything about you. It would change everything about your happiness. It would change everything about your joy. It would change everything about your posture. Um, Listen, just because someone offends you doesn't mean you have to allow it into your heart. Doesn't mean you have to pick it up. You may be in this line, in this room, you may be watching online, and there's a person in this room right now. There's a person in your living room watching with you, and there is an offense between you. This is a problem with church in Corinth. They're offended at this man. <laughs> they don't want this man in their church. The fact is, they've been so bold, they told him. It wasn't just by their body language. They didn't greet him. They didn't talk to him. They didn't hand him a bulletin. They didn't show him a seat. They didn't... They told him. We may not be like the church in Corinth, and we may not say that out loud, but by our, our posture, our body language, comments that we can make, we can just let people know that, you know what, you've offended me, and we don't want you in our church. We don't want to be in a relationship with you. Um, I can't worship next to a Republican, a Democrat, someone that voted different than me, that views COVID different than me, and all of a sudden we can build this. And let me just tell you, this is so powerful. Offense is the language of our culture. You see it all the time. Offense is a language of our culture. But forgiveness is a language of the kingdom of God. And we're people of the kingdom of God. We're people in the kingdom of God. So the second thing is this, is there is a prison of offense. First, there's an offense. And then the second thing is there's a prison of offense. Listen, when you're offended and you begin and you pick that offense up and you all of a sudden have, have unforgiveness in your life, what the scriptures say, it puts you in a, in a prison. It puts you in a cell. You build this wall around you. You isolate off. And what the scriptures tells us in other parables that Jesus had told is that it, it's, for, it's for your torment. I mean, it will do damage to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Paul said this is a huge statement just for us to process through. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. It's unfortunate sometimes the way the church or, or Christians handle offense is the same way that our culture handles offense and Paul is saying that guess what offense may be the language of Corinth offense may be the language of our culture but forgiveness is the language of kingdom of of the kingdom of God and and we're kingdom of God people Jesus said in John chapter 18 verse 36 he said Jesus answered my kingdom is not of this world if my kingdom were of this world my servants would have been fighting that I may not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom, my kingdom is not of this world. Now listen, I, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, 
Let me, let me read the verse again, verse 11. It says, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Satan has a design for your life, and God has a design for your life. Satan is clever. Satan is a schemer. And Satan, listen, Satan has a design for your life, but the good news is this. God has a design for your life. And God has a design for your life to give you life and to give you life more abundantly. Satan, Satan has a design for our life, and his design for our life is that we would act just like the culture. That we would, that we would not understand his, scene, his schemes and his designs. His design for our life, the root of that, is to live a life of being offended, to live a life of unforgiveness. But Jesus has a design for our life. Look at this, John 10.10. 10. The thief, Satan comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come, but I came, that you may have life and you may have life more abundantly. Satan's design for your life is destruction. God's design for your life is to give you life and to give you life more abundantly, to have this life of abundance, joy, and peace in your relationship. I mean, when you, when you, just, when you just roll back and think about this, think about the garden. Adam and Eve had the perfect relationship. They had the perfect marriage. They had the perfect situation. I mean, they had unity, no division until what? Until Satan showed up on the scene. And the gateway was they were offended. What were they offended about? God told them you could eat of any tree except for one tree, just, just one rule, one rule. And all of a sudden, you find the division and unforgiveness. And his strategy, Satan's strategy for you is take up an offense that leads to unforgiveness that puts you in a prison and Paul is just pleading with his church. He's pleading with Christians. Do not be outwitted by Satan. Do not, do not cave into his designs. And let me, let me show you how this worked. Jesus spoke about this in, in detail in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24 is the context. It's, it's the end times, and Jesus is talking about the end times, how you're going to know the end times, and that Christians are to persevere, and Christians are to endure. They still care about the marginalized and, 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 and all those other things. And then, then Matthew chapter 24, verse 10. Here's the steps through this, just so you know. And then many, many will be offended. That's, that's the open door. That's where it starts. And many will be offended. Here's the next step. Betray one another. You see this in relationships. You see this in culture. Hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up. And what? Deceive many. And because a lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Jesus says, you know where it starts? It starts with an offense. Many will be offended. The, key, the, the ESV says many will, will fall away. The root of that is an offense, and the reason that they fall away is because they, is because they become offended. I'm offended by what you said. I'm offended by what, what you did. And so all of a sudden, you see, because of this offense, they begin, the individual begins to fall away. Now, listen, ever since uh, quarantine, March, Karen and I have been aggressively hiking. And so we probably... We've probably hiked since March about about a hundred miles of trail and trails in Colorado. There's been some trails that we've done that we didn't see a human all day on the trail, and so on those trails we would all be always be like extra safe. And so we were hiking one of the trails. We were hiking up at Cheyenne Mountain, and and one of the principles of, of hiking 
depending on where you're hiking and depending on the train terrain, that if you're going to fall, you want to fall forward. You just want to fall forward. You don't want to fall away. You want to fall forward. Uh, that, when we were hiking Cheyenne Mountain, uh, I made the mistake. I didn't fall forward. I hit some, some, some rocks, and the rocks gave, away, gave way. And so I fall, fell backwards. And I honestly thought, you know, I was going to fall off. It was going to be like search and rescue. And so, but I, I fell backwards, and, and, and it hurt. And so, but there's a principle in hiking that if you fall, that you want to fall forward, not backwards. What would happen? What would happen in our relationships, in our marriages, in the church with God if we already made a commitment and says, you know what? No matter what offends me, I'm going to fall forward. I'm going to fall towards you. I'm not going to fall away from you. I'm not going to fall away from the relationship. I just want you to know I'm making a commitment. God, I, if, if I'm offended, I'm going to fall towards you. I'm going to fall towards the church. I'm going to fall towards a husband, a wife, a friend, a brother, a sister, a, a, a relationship. Because here, here's what happens. The first thing that's happened is you fall away. You pull away from the relationship. The second thing, there's betrayal. And that's what happens when you fall away. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to remove myself from the relationship. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm just going to remove myself. And then if you're not careful what, what the Scripture says, all of a sudden it moves to hate. I hate that person because how they offended me. I hate that person because they, they're stabbed. I hate that organization. And then he says, and then false prophets are going to rise up and going to deceive many. Listen, I'm telling you, if you carry an offense... You can talk to enough people that someone will agree with you. Someone will tell you you're justified in carrying that offense. You're justified in not forgiving them. You're justified for making them pay for what they've done. And then when you look at the last step, it says, and the love of many will go grow cold. This happens in relationships all the time. And they didn't realize that the reason that their relationship grew cold the reason their relationship grew cold in a marriage, a relationship uh, with God, the church, started with an offense. They, know, they don't even know how they got there. They're in this prison. They don't know how they got there. They're no longer living the life that God has designed for them of joy and peace and living a life of abundance. That's why Paul says, please, please, please don't be ignorant of Satan's designs and Satan's schemes. He wants you to walk around unoffended. He wants you to have unforgiveness in your heart. He wants you to lead a church, the church of the un, or, or the church of the offended. See, that's why I think sometimes people aren't going to church because they see the same level of offense in the church that they can get in their office, that they can get in their culture. That's why he has called us to be different. Verse ten, Paul goes on and says, "Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive." Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, have been for your sake in the presence of Christ. Paul is trying to help them to understand the prison of offense will paralyze you. You can't, you can't control how someone offends you, but you can control what you do with that offense. And you can't control where you carry the offense. When you've been offended... You'll carry that offense, whether you realize it or not, into your home, into your relationships, the job site, your office, your church, your school, and your friends know. 
friends know what offends you. Your friends know what has offended you. And as a result, they walk on eggshells because they're worried about bringing that whole thing back up. At the deepest level, when your, light, when your love grows cold, it seems like everything offends you. Everything that happens. Proverbs 18, 19, it's just a huge proverb and we'll, we'll move on. But It said, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate with, locked with bars. So when you look at this issue, this word friends, friend and friends in the Hebrew, it's talking about some of the closest relationships that we have, whether it's by blood or by choice. So it's whether family or friendships or marriage that, that you choose. And so it's like, it's like the deepest relationships that we have around us. And he's talking about this issue that when someone feels wronged, that all of a sudden there's this deep sense of personal betrayal, personal injury. And, and then all of a sudden, he says, an offended friend is harder to win back than a fortified city. Arguments separate friends like a gate with locked with bars. The most vulnerable, this is interesting, we'll move on. But the most vulnerable defensive point in a wall is its gate. And it has to be secured. It has to be maintained. You have to make sure you open the door at the proper time, you close the door at the proper time, you lock it. In other words, when he used the fortified wall, when he used a, a, a gate with a lock, what he's basically saying is you have to work hard to build it. You have to work hard to maintain it. It takes a lot of emotional energy. I'm telling you, when you carry a fence, it takes a lot of emotional energy because you've got to maintain that offense. You've got to keep remembering why you're offended. You keep remembering why you're angry at them and frustrated. And so the last thing, the last thing is this. This is the good news. There is forgiveness. This is what Paul is trying to tell them. He's trying to tell them the way out of, 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 of living an offended life, the way out of the prison of offense is this issue of forgiveness. And listen, it is the fundamentals of the faith. It is the fundamentals of being a Christ follower. And we have to practice this enough to where, you know what, it's just muscle memory and it becomes natural to us. And so genuine, genuine repentance involves three phases conviction to where you understand that I have sinned and I have done wrong and I'm not going to try to cover it up I'm not going to blame anybody for it I, I'm just going to own it and then the second step is just contrition in other words I am genuinely sorry and this is what this man in the, in the church in Corinth had gone through to where there's contrition I'm genuinely sorry for what I've done uh, Psalm 51 17 the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit a broken and contrite heart oh God you will not despise. In other words, you don't, you don't repent with a sneer on your face. You don't repent and say, you know what, I'm just angry that I got caught. I'm sorry if that offended you. No, you own it. You own it. And say, I've offended you. And this is how I've offended you. The last thing is change to a repentance of a change of mind that leads to a change of action and to where you realize that, you know what, I, I've, I've got to change. 2 Corinthians 7.10, Paul says, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. In other words, to where worldly grief is just, I'm sorry I got caught. I'm just sorry you're upset. I'm sorry I got caught, and as a result of that, there's some consequences. That, no, no, that's that's worldly grief that's 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 worldly grief that 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 produces death but 
Godly grief is this true repentance. Here's what I did. It was wrong. I ask that you forgive me, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change. Apparently, this man back to the church in Corinth had offended like the whole church. They, they confronted him. He was sorrowful for the evil he had done. He said he was wrong. He repented. He wasn't even that person anymore. And once this man in the church in Corinth had repented, the church had the responsibility to restore him and show love to him and reaffirm their love for him. See, the great thing about God's forgiveness is that that's the way God forgives us. He totally and completely forgives us. But some Christians are still in misery with their unforgiveness. And they, they pretend to, like, bury it but, and forget it, but they, but, they, but they they bookmarked it, bookmarked it. They've cataloged it so that they can recall it to memory. That's what takes work, the fortified wall, the city gate. They've bookmarked it. So when they need to, they can call it up at a moment's notice even though that person has been truly repentant. Even that person is not even that same person anymore. They, they, they've changed. And they say, you know, and they recall it. You know, you hurt me three years ago. You hurt me ten years ago. And they never move to the place of truly forgiving. And Paul is trying to push them to this area of forgiveness. 2 Corinthians 2, 7 through 8 says, So you should rather turn... To forgive, comfort, here's the steps, or he may be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow, so I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. In other words, he's saying, would you just recognize this guy's hurting? He's repentant. He said he's sorry. He's not even that person anymore. Could you reaffirm your love to him? Could you forgive him? If not, You'll not only do damage to yourself, the church, but you're going to do damage to this man. He may walk away totally. His love and your love for him may grow so cold you can never restore it. See, forgiveness, forgiveness is not an option. Forgiveness is a commandment. Forgiveness is the fundamentals of the faith. Colossians 3.13, Paul writes, Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven, so you must also you must also forgive. Paul is begging the church to be like Jesus, full of grace and full of church, uh, truth. Paul is talking to them about this issue, that just the power of forgiveness, that, that God had died for our freedom. And listen, I'm just telling you, when you realize, when you realize how much you have been forgiven of, it's easier to extend grace and forgiveness to others. That's why in John 6.33, the scripture says, Jesus talking, for the bread of God is, is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. If you have not, listen, if you have never received the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ, this is your moment to do that. You can never truly forgive someone until you've received the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, that you've been totally and completely forgiven. 
that you are deeply loved in him. You're perfect and complete. You're lacking nothing. Jesus Christ came to this world fully God and fully man, lived a perfect life, went to the cross, was crucified for my sins, for your sins. On the third day, he was resurrected. On the third day, he rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father. And because of that, when we receive him, we can be totally and completely forgiven. Maybe you, maybe you just need to do that right now. Just breathe a, a quiet, silent prayer and say, Lord Jesus, I ask that you come into my life, forgive me of my sins, give me the gift of eternal life. I receive that now. Father, I want to walk with you. Maybe you've already done that. Maybe there's someone that you need to forgive. Maybe there's an offense that you're carrying, and it is destroying you. And that offense keeps coming up over and over. Please understand that offense is the gateway to a life of, of unforgiveness. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? And let me just ask you, we, we ask this at the end of every message. What is God saying to you as a result of this message? And how does he want you to respond? Do you need to accept him? Do you need to forgive? Whatever he's calling you to do, would you just simply do that? And we'll just call it good. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. Father, I thank you for those that are watching, those that are in person. Father, I ask that you would speak to them very clearly. If they need to receive you, that they would receive you this day. And if they need to, if they need to let go of an offense, if they need to forgive, Father, would they understand that? Would they understand that your design for their life is to give them life and life more abundantly, with joy, with peace, with freedom? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. For those of you that are in person, would you just please stand with me? And as you stand, let me just remind you that if you made a decision today, we would love to know about that. There's several ways that you can let us know. If you're in person, there's a QR code on the seat back in front of you. You can just you can take a picture of that. Uh, you can follow the link. It'll take you to a Connect card. You can fill that out. If you're online, whether it's on demand or you're watching this live, if you're watching it live, you can ask for a prayer partner. A prayer partner will greet you and meet you in a virtual room. They will text back and forth with you. They will help you. They will minister to you. Or you can just click on a Connect card, and you can fill that Connect card out. Let us know the decision that you've made, and then that goes immediately to a pastor, and we'll reach out to you. God bless you. Thank you for being here uh, this weekend, and may you know this weekend, may you know the peace of Christ in your life. God bless you. You're dismissed.